And Lord Almighty, as we come before you now and hear your word, I pray that you would remove from us the distractions, keep from us those things that would prevent us from hearing your word. And Lord, we are going to be touching on some very personal, very even painful issues. And Lord, we need the grace of the Holy Spirit to come and be among us. Jesus, there are going to be frustrated hearts here. There may even be angry hearts here because of memories of past hurts and failures and just plain sin. God, we need your Holy Spirit to move in us. We need to hear what your word is saying to us, Jesus, because we desperately need to learn how to forgive and learn what forgiveness is. And God, I pray that you would, as I said, forgive us of our sins, remove from us those things that would distract us from hearing your word, and enable us to be blessed, Jesus, tonight by your word, so that we will also be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. The hardest thing in the world to do is forgive. We feel a natural, we feel a God-given passion for justice, to have fairness. And when we experience injustice, we are at the very minimum understanding, experiencing at a very personal level, the world is not as it should be. Of course, our desire for justice is in inverse proportion to amount the amount of blame that we share in whatever is wrong. We are always more willing to stand up and shout for justice when we are the ones being offended as opposed to us being the offenders. And yet, that cry that you hear from your two-year-old, it's not fair, is the same one that you cry when you're 42 years old, and I imagine when you're 82 years old as well. Justice is central to both God and who God created us to be. And God promised to take care of all injustice. So then we have to ask the question, why forgive? Forgiveness means that I forsake my quote-unquote right to exact punishment and I leave to God the responsibility to exact justice for all debts. Forgiveness means that I forsake my quote-unquote right to exact judgment and I leave to God the responsibility, the privileged of exacting justice for all debts. <sighs> Breathe. Live in a fresh, life-giving, grace 
filled, burden lifting, headache relieving, breath of life from the God who longs to bless you more than you can even imagine. And the way you will take that breath is by learning to forgive. Now, there are two primary things that stand in our way of obeying the Lord's command to forgive, other than, of course, our own sinfulness. But assuming that we want to forgive, assuming that we want to obey God, there's two things that stand in our way. And the first is that many Christians have a wrong idea about how to go about forgiving. We assume we know, and so we just don't think about it. And many Christians, number two, have a wrong idea about what forgiveness is. I have heard over and over again in the last 18 years, sitting in my office and having coffee with people, this person harmed me too much. I can never forgive them. I will never forgive them. I want tonight to be able to enable you to breathe some fresh air that will give life to you so that you don't have to cling so tightly to bitterness, but you can let it go. And I hope to clarify some truths of Scripture that will give you hope. Because hope is what you and I need so that we can forgive. Perhaps up to this point, you did not know how to forgive. Perhaps you didn't know what forgiveness is. Tonight is about answering these two questions. And I'm going to steal the words of another pastor for our big idea tonight. And our big idea tonight is forgiveness is a decision about the future not a feeling about the past. Forgiveness is a decision about what is to come. Forgiveness is a decision. It is a willful act deciding this is how the future is going to look as opposed to an emotion or a feeling about what has gone on in the past. We can still feel awful about that, but look forward and know that we can be free. As I said last week, we're leaving our normal expositional series in the Sermon on the Mount just for a moment, and I want to preach what the Bible teaches about forgiveness. And we need to answer some basic, we need to give some basic answers about forgiveness so that you and I can obey a very basic, very clear command of Scripture. You must forgive. So the first question, why should I forgive? Why should I forgive? Number one, because forgiving as others is a command. It's not a request. By the way, if you don't have a note sheet, does anybody not have a note sheet? Dave, would you grab some more note sheets and hand them out? Raise your hand if you don't have one. We'll get some to you. we got some on our way. Um, this is, I think, your first blank, so just remember what it says. Forgiving others is a command, not a request. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. This is where we are in the Sermon on the Mount, so this is where we're jumping off from. 
If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, along with Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35, which is where we're going to land next week, we have some very clear, fundamental, bottom-line commands about forgiveness. We will discover, beginning this week and a lot more next week, that there is a very serious, in fact, unbearable cost to not forgiving. For now, we'll start with the fact that the most offensive command in the Bible is the one that you must begin with to learn to forgive. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Furthermore, point number two, you owe a debt that you cannot repay. Do you ever think about that? You have a debt you cannot repay. Colossians 2, you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt, taking that list of all of our sins and drawing a great big X in it that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. There are many metaphors about what God did with the sins of those who trust the promises of God for us in Christ, and they are all good. They are wiping them out so we don't have to bear them. You owe a debt for all the awful things that you have done in your life. And your debt for all these awful things that you have done in your life is not to your enemies or even to your family. Your first and last debt is to God. And likewise, the debt owed for the sins that have been committed against you is not to you. That debt is owed to the Father. And so, those who sin against you, O God, if that's true, why do you think that your anger at their sin will help God collect his debts? It won't. Your bitterness, your anger, your holding on to this revenge doesn't enable God to collect on the debt any better than if you just let it go. And furthermore, Proverbs 20, verse 9, I love this one. Who can say, I have made my heart pure. I am clean from all sin. Not. And we must deal with the reality, number three, that you cannot be free until you forgive. Okay, you know what? This is just getting down to where every single one of us lives. I mean, this is just basic life. Basic life is that you cannot be free until you forgive. David says, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation at my sin. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. You will suffer as long as you refuse to forgive. 
Take a moment and think. Right now, take a moment and think. How much have you suffered because you have refused to forgive? How many nights have you planned vengeance or rehearsed in your head bitter thoughts towards someone because they hurt you 20 years ago? Haven't you suffered enough? Learn to let it go. Forgiveness is a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. As I said, here's where the rubber meets the road. When we stand in judgment against someone because they have harmed us, refusing to forgive them, we inevitably bear a weight that we cannot, and our health suffers, and our lives suffer. And our relationships suffer. There is no soundness in my flesh. I will not experience forgiveness. If I get no other point across tonight, please, right now, right now, I'm I'm telling you, listen, at this moment, this is what you need to do. If you get nothing else from tonight, just open your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, I have been holding on to this. I don't know how to let it go, and sometimes I don't even want to let it go, but I'm, I'm letting it go. I'm giving it to you. Take it from me, Lord. I cannot handle it. Admit to God, my friends, that you can't. Allow Him to breathe into you real life. My friends, you must forgive if you are to be forgiven. This will be the main point next week. In the meantime, remember, choose now. It'll take some time to get there, but choose now to live in forgiveness. And then we'll also consider our next question. What is anger? What is this emotion that I'm feeling Anger is an emotion indicating that a boundary has been crossed. It is that simple, okay? I, I, I want to take all the mystery out of it. There is no mystery. Anger is just simply an emotion saying that something that you didn't like happened. Well, welcome to the real world, because that's the real world, world all of us live in, right? Can I get an amen for that? <laughs> Anger is not in and of itself sinful. No feeling is in and of itself sinful. Like the feelings in the tips of your fingers when you reach and touch something hot. Anger is simply a feeling that indicates that something isn't right. That's all it is. Now, you can train your heart to feel anger about things that you ought not to be angry about. That would be sin, right? Furthermore, Anger is such a powerful emotion that it can lead you to do things that are also sinful. And that would certainly be a sin, right? Anger is not something to be messed with. It's not something to be trifled with. In fact, James says, the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires. So don't be thinking, oh, I can work up all this anger and I can do these righteous acts. Very unlikely. And I don't remember which preacher it was who said it, but I can trust Jesus in the temple with a whip, but I can't trust me in the temple with a whip. Right? 
Secondly, anger cannot remain in our hearts unless you allow it. Hebrews 12 is very instructive. He says, strive, work hard at, put your mind and energy into gaining peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So he's equating here striving, agonizing for peace and holiness. And he's correlating them. They're not equal, but they're correlated. And without this holiness, which includes striving, working hard for peace, you're not going to see Jesus. I don't know how you get more clear than that. And then, if that warning wasn't enough, verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. We had a house in San Bernardino, and we had this nasty lemon tree. It produced the worst lemons in the world. And my neighbor right next to us had this beautiful lemon tree, and she said, come in my backyard anytime you want and take a lemon. Our family likes lemons, so we did that quite a bit. But I decided I'm going to chop down this lemon tree. And so sure enough, it took me a while. I chopped it down. And then I got to the point where I wanted to take out the stump. And so I started digging around the, the tree. Guess what? The roots went all the way past the fence in that direction, went about 30 feet in that direction. And pretty soon, I'm going, these roots are everywhere. And eventually, I, I worked a lot of them up. And, and at one point, I, got, I pulled up this root, and I swear it was a 20-foot line across my backyard. You allow bitterness in your heart towards someone who offended you 20 years ago. And then you try to deal with your kid. And... Kids are human. They, they take after us, so they'll do stupid things. Guess where that bitterness is going to go? It's going to go across 20 years of your life, and it's going to land right on your son or daughter. You want to screw up your future? You let that root of bitterness pull up and draw a line straight across your life, tearing up all the ground along with it. My friends, breathe. Breathe the grace of Jesus Christ. Feel Him coming in and allowing the muscles in your neck and the the pit of your stomach to just relax. My friends, the Bible is absolutely chock full of warnings that if you don't pay attention to your sin, sin like unforgiveness, eternally bad things will happen to you, to your children, to your neighbor, to the people sitting next to you right now. I'm going to leave that one on you. Deal with it. Because here's the truth. The one who harmed you the, legitimately, the one who did you wrong, I'm not taking anything away from the fact that they did you wrong. 
all right? We're assuming that what they did was really, truly awful. That person undoubtedly deserves punishment. But your anger, your bitterness, your resentfulness is not that punishment. Because real, true, full punishment for their sin must come from God, not from you. So as we said, anger is simply a sign that something is wrong. And the best option is always to take what is wrong to Jesus because He is the only one who has borne the true cost of forgiveness. And that is our next point. What is the cost of forgiveness? Well, number one, we need to come to terms with the fact that the person forgiving must always pay for the offender's sins. One of the best verses in the entire Bible is Isaiah 43:25. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions. Why? Why, Lord? Why did you wipe out my transgressions? For my own sake. I love that. Is it because I'm such a great guy? Is it because I'm so handsome? Well, you know. Is that why God has forgiven me? No! It's because it's important to Him. Benji will remember this verse. It's in Isaiah. Um, And uh, the Lord basically says, I loved you because I loved you. I I just love that. It's not because I'm so special. I love you because I loved you. That's why. God forgives us for his own sake. What on earth does that look like? I don't know. But he said it. It must be true. I know what it looks like for me, though. And here's where this verse is so important. It's important because I know that my salvation rests not on my good looks, but on God's saying he's doing it for his sake. And then I know that my forgiving of Bojangles is because I need to be the kind of person that forgives. And that is absolutely essential to being a man or a woman of God. We must forgive for our own sake. Oh, this is... There's so many important points. I want to take like five hours to preach this. Don't ever add to whatever payment you have to pay for the offense. Somebody has offended you. You're going to have to pay whatever that costs. Maybe in your heart, maybe in hard cash. Don't add to that having now to pay for that offense in addition to the torment and anguish that you've been holding on to all this in your heart for so long. Oh Lord, it's not worth it. Believe me. If you want to know, I'm not getting too much into that, but if you want to know some forgiveness issues, just talk to some of us in this room. And there's plenty to forgive. But we can also say how good it feels to let it go. Number two, what is the cost of forgiveness? You forfeit the quote-unquote right to revenge when you forgive Romans 12:19 Beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God for God himself 
has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. This is the bottom line when it comes to forgiveness. And we'll see in a moment that forgiveness is recognizing that it costs you more to keep your anger and bitterness and and revenge. It costs you more to keep your anger and try to get revenge than giving it to God for His judgment. Do you believe this promise? Do you believe that God is both willing and able to take care of any injustice you have faced? Do you recognize that God has given you His Word and He will not go back on it? If so, then you will live the blesseds that we unpacked several weeks ago when Jesus went through the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. This is how you get that blessing. Number three, forgiveness never truly happens until you're able to bless. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is good. And not only is it just plain good, but it's it's good for building up, for equipping, for enabling someone to grow to be the man or woman of God that they want, that God wants them to be. And sticking it to them because they deserve it is not going to do that. Is not going to build anybody up. All it's going to do is tear down. This really is my standard, what I've come to in my relationship with Jesus, this is my standard of forgiveness. When I get to the point where I can pray that God will bless this person, then I know that, okay, this is crucial. The words I'm about to say are very important. When I get to the place that I can pray that God would bless someone, I know that I have begun the process of forgiveness. Now, each of those words was vital. It is also what I have, by God's grace, keyword, trained my heart to do. I can almost do this automatically. Sometimes I still need to check my own heart. I still need to see, am I acting too quickly? Am I still holding a grudge while I'm praying for them? Well, I'd be lying if I said that I never did that, right? But the point is, is by being able to make the decision to pray that God would genuinely bless this person who has harmed me, that is the beginning of this process that is forgiveness. I know that this is where I must begin. This is what I need to do for my own good and for God's glory. If I'm still holding this grudge, then praying for their blessings helps me to see that and helps me to recognize in my own heart, which is deceitful above all things, What is going on so that I can ask God, Lord, I am still holding on to this grudge. Help me to release it. 
And being able to bless the person who has offended you is what you must do if you you are also to grow in this area of forgiveness. You must begin by training your heart. My heart has had 42 years of training in the opposite direction. And I'm not going to ask how many years your heart has had that training for. We'll leave that at that. But the point is, is it takes time to train your heart to do this work of forgiveness. You must begin by training. Start with the small sins. Forgive the person who cuts you off in the freeway. You're never going to see that person again. Begin by by training your heart to forgive them. Begin by training the person who slights you when you're walking through the grocery store. Don't worry about the larger ones yet. Don't worry about the ones that have been crippling you for 20 years. We will get there by God's grace. Work up this trusting and God will guide you in the process because forgiveness is a process that everyone needs to learn. There is a cost to forgiving those who have sinned you. Fortunately for us, that cost has already been borne by Jesus Christ and that is what makes it possible to make forgiveness a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. Now, normally, if I were doing just one sermon at this point, I would discuss the cost of unforgiveness, and we'll get into that next week. But what we need to see right now is we need to understand what forgiveness is and what it is not. What is forgiveness? Well, number one, forgiveness is not denying the injury. Forgiveness is not pretending that all is well. That's not forgiveness. That's just being a chicken because you don't want to confront the issue. Those two are not the same thing. and We're not going to get into why that can be really bad. But simply by going through the mental process that I need to forgive this person, you're saying this was a bad thing. It shouldn't have happened. Okay. Fair enough. Secondly, forgiveness is not the same as or a guarantee of reconciliation. This is absolutely crucial to understand. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Forgiveness is where I, before the Lord, say I forgive this person. Now, reconciliation is a two-way street. That's where both parties come before the Lord and say, God, We need your help. And reconciliation then is where both people reconcile. But simply because you decide in your heart, I'm going to forgive this person, doesn't mean they're going to receive it. Secondly, it also doesn't mean that you should even go say that you forgive them because that could cause problems. If if that is an issue for you, please talk to me because we can talk about that one as well. Thirdly, forgiveness does not release the offender from corrective action and discipline. Someone gets out of prison for embezzling, we'll let them into our church. Absolutely. I mean, we're all sinners. Of course we'll let them in. We're not going to put them in charge of our church finances. Right? I mean, there will there there must be some corrective action in many cases. 
Fourth, forgiveness does not mean I can earn forgiveness. You cannot earn forgiveness. Forgiveness is always a gift. Salvation, the ultimate expression of forgiveness, is completely by grace because you cannot undo what you've done or do what you left undone. So stop trying to earn forgiveness. Stop trying to make up what is lost. And furthermore, stop demanding that the other person earn your forgiveness. Both of those are a sure path to pain and anguish that you don't need in your life. Forgiveness is a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. Learning these things, these truths about forgiveness, took me years. And so, preaching a sermon on this topic is is kind of a a difficult thing because I want, I long, I trust and hope for you that some of these truths can penetrate into your heart and that you can go back to God's Word and you can open it up and you can see God breathing life into you so that you can learn to let this pain go. But I also understand that some of the pain that we feel is deep. And, and it's real deep. And so I gave you these notes in part so that you can go back and look at these what forgiveness is not and ask yourself, am I thinking that this is part of what forgiveness is and, and is that part of the lie that I am believing? And then if it is, turn to Jesus and say, God, help me. Because forgiveness is not pretending anything. It is releasing yourself from a cancer that eats away your soul. Now we need to talk about what forgiveness is. First and foremost, forgiveness is releasing the offender from verbal and mental criticism. This is where forgiveness begins in terms of actual brass tacks, getting down to business of working out what God has already worked in. When you, you start down in your mind, you're laying on your bed and your mind starts going down this dark alley. You know what I'm talking about. That dark alley where that record spins over and over in your head about the injustice and the things that you want to say to them. Or you, you start picturing what you're, th- they'll say this and I'll say this. When you start going that dark alley, stop! Don't go there! Walk the other direction. Take that rope off your neck. You don't want that. And it gets back to what we've been saying for years at Grace. Stop rehearsing the evil. Stop rehearsing the pain. Tear it away from your heart and start moving 
forward in preaching the good news in preaching the grace and mercy of God. Preach the good news, the gospel to yourself by reminding yourself of whatever specific promise of God for you and Christ is relevant to that situation. Stop rehearsing in your mind the evil and start preaching the good news to yourself. Secondly, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is considering the offender responsible for his or her actions. I've had in my office adulterers, of course. I've had in my office people who have abused their children, which that's one I struggle with. I've had I've talked to murderers in jail. I've I've talked to a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. And I've talked to some of you in this room. And you have some very significant pain in your heart. And As I said before, just pretending that it's all okay, that, that's not forgiveness. That, that's not going to bring you any healing. And we must consider the person responsible because if we don't consider them responsible for their action, then we are somehow making an excuse for them and then we're bouncing it back on us and, and we're feeling more guilt for what happened. That, and, and that's just something we can't go there. As I said, forgiveness does not mean that there isn't corrective action or discipline. Now, sometimes you may not be able to get that in this world. You're going to have to wait till Jesus settles all debts. But I implore you to trust Jesus for that. Because number three is finding a way to release the debt within your heart. I've said this to most of you before. What does it mean to lay something at the cross? You've heard that phrase probably all your life. What what does that phrase mean? How do I actually lay something at the cross? Well, this is what I do. This is what I mean when I say lay it at the cross. I I literally think, I picture in this little mind of mine, Jesus on the cross. And I realize what that means. Just think for a moment of what it meant for the God of the universe to die as a criminal. And I say, Jesus, I cannot handle this. I cannot handle this offense. And like I said, start small. Because as you do, the Lord will build your faith. Lay it at the cross and say, Jesus, I can't handle it. I need you to take this. And this is crucial. This is central to the whole point. You have to be willing to say, God, I forgive this person. I don't know what that's going to look like 10 minutes from now, but I forgive this person. 10 minutes later, oh, that memory comes back again. Lord, I need you to take this again. And... I thank you that I have already forgiven them. And every time it takes to go to the cross and lay something there, every time you do that, say, 
Jesus, help me. And then Jesus, thank you. And then move on. Go about something else. Take your mind off that and start thinking about something else. Start thinking about some promise. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Isaiah 43.25 Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews 13.5 Oh, I love this. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Oh my goodness. Start thinking um, Isaiah 7.14 Emmanuel, God with us. Oh Lord. Praise Jesus. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Um, Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you and He will rejoice over you with singing and He will quiet you with His love. Go to the promises of God. Trust the promises of God for you in Christ because that is where you will find hope. Pray to Jesus, forgive me. I can't carry this for myself. Take this from me. Thank you for taking it from me. This is my last quote. Forgiveness is a process that begins with a choice to be obedient to Christ's command. You must forgive so that you can be forgiven to trust His promise to be just in the end. This point-in-time decision is then followed by repeated decisions to let that decision stand. Trusting God to continue to provide the grace you need to walk in faith. Grace is simply saying the Holy Spirit working in you to help you take the next step and then the next step. And then the next step. You don't have to have the grace yet that you will need tomorrow to help you to stand by this decision to forgive today. Forgiveness begins with the decision to trust God and allow Him to take care of any vengeance that there needs to be. Every single sin will be paid for, either in hell by the one who sinned or on the cross by Jesus. You don't need to fear losing justice. Forgiveness then continues when you choose moment by moment. Notice, not day by day, not week by week, but moment by by moment, choosing that when these memories of those who have sinned against you to return, you lay it before the cross. And then you walk away. Thank you, Jesus, for taking that. Ask Him to remove the burden from you, reminding both yourself and reminding Jesus that you have already been forgiven and that you have already forgiven the person who has sinned against you. Forgiveness continues, sometimes for years, sometimes for the rest of this earthly life. But by God's grace, He will enable you to continue down this road of health and eternal life. Because forgiveness is a decision about the future, not a feeling about the past. And Lord, we covered a lot of ground tonight. 
God, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for me that you will give us the grace we need to walk moment by moment in forgiveness so that we can experience your forgiveness for us. Glorify your name by working through us what you have worked into us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.